Hello and welcome to episode 88 of Command Space on 5x5. My name is Mike Hurley and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Jonathan Mann. Hi Jonathan, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Jonathan, what do you like to be known for? Um, I like to be known for uh, great songs every day on the internet. <laughs> I guess in a nutshell, Sounds funny that's it. to say that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's about it. So I want to talk, I mean, people may know you from the Song A Day. Uh, you are Song A Day Man, right? That's, I reckon, probably quite a few um, of our listeners are familiar with some of the stuff that you've done. And we'll go into a bit about that later. And maybe, you know, if they might not necessarily recognize the name, they'll recognize a few of your songs, I'm sure. Well, you've done thousands of them. How many songs have you made now on your, uh, your song I am project? today, well, I mean, totally, it's hard to say, but in the Song A Day uh, bucket, there are currently um, 1,904 songs. Wow! So you're closing in. So you will, you'll hit 2,000 this year, right? Yeah, in uh, in June. You've got June. that mapped out, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. I've got a yeah. You know, I want the yeah. I'm approaching 2,000, and it's I'm really trying to make the 2,000th song slash video be something special. Although I haven't quite cracked exactly what that is yet. How did you get into music? Where did this start for you? Um, it started at you know at a relatively young age for me. I um, I wasn't really I didn't grow up in a musical family or anything. In fact, um, quite the opposite. And nobody in my family, or even really my extended family, were uh, as I was growing up were at all artistic in any kind of way. Um, my parents, funny enough, are both psychologists and. Um, neither of them can really carry a tune um but you know music was around growing up just in the form of of you know old 60s records and things that they would listen to and i was always sort of into music just as a kid and then um as as sometimes happens you know when you reach those teenage years like the thing that i started to get obsessed with was was being a musician and writing songs so at around the age of 12 that's that's pretty much like where where my passion went and it's has stuck there ever since. Um, yeah. So that, so it just, it just started as like, as the thing that I got into when I started getting, you know, obsessive at the age of 12. Considering as you say that your, your parents come from a more academic background, were they supportive of your decision to pursue music as a career? They were very, they've always been very, very supportive. Um, early on they were, sort of more cautiously supportive sure. um, where, you know, they were, they very much wanted me to have a whole slew of backup plans. Um, and I feel like I understood even as a teenager and as a young adult, I understood where they were. I feel like I never really had this rebellious part. It was always like, I sort of <laughs> understood where they were coming from. It's like, man, I, you know, you just look and see the odds, you know, that that's what, my dad would always say, right? It's like, just like, you know, I think you're great. I think you're amazing. But, but the odds of actually making it as a musician just seem like they're so slim. So you need to have some sort of backup thing. But, uh, but on the other hand, like they, they are amazingly supportive. And I, I actually recently did a song where I sang a duet with my 14 year old self. I found this old home video of myself singing for my parents actually at night and they were filming me um, and I sang a duet. I sort of cut up that video and made it so I could sing a duet with him, with my, with my, you know, younger self. And it was interesting to listen back to my interactions with my parents at that age, at that skill level where I was, which was very, very, very low. Um, you know, I did, as I said, I didn't grow up in a musical family and I had, I had basically no skill. I had no innate talent as a, as a kid. Um, I sort of just, I, looking back on it now and seeing this footage, it's clear to me that it was really a combination of just like really being obsessed with it and really, really wanting to write songs and sing them, but also just how supportive my parents were. Even though I sounded horrible, I could barely carry a tune um, they would sit and listen to me, and they would genuinely be excited by 
by me doing it. And I, I looking back on that now, it, it seems pretty clear to me. I don't know if without their, without that extra support, I'm not sure if I actually even would have um, went on, you know, kept doing it because they were so supportive in that way. Once you decided that you wanted to pursue this and, you know, you, you learned your craft and you honed your craft, you obviously would have started some projects. Um, and I believe that there were some earlier online projects that you did before um, the, the Song a Day project. What were they? Yeah, so like the first big sort of public project that I did, I was in grad school. So again, you know, I was, I was, I was getting my MFA in writing which isn't exactly like the most, <laughs> the most uh, uh, you know, reasonable or or thing that you can do to go to school. Um, definitely no guarantees there with that kind of a degree. But uh, I was getting that degree, and I was um, really obsessed with old school video games. Um, and I had been playing lots of old school Nintendo games getting sort of reacquainted from with the games that I had played when I was a kid and, and just feeling very nostalgic and really loving it. Um, and in that sort of haze, that nostalgic haze, uh, I wrote a rock opera based on the Super Mario Brothers, um, which I ended up sort of using as my my thesis for my MFA program, which, which sort of shows you what kind of program it was, which is to say that it was pretty awesome. Um, and... I performed that at school, and then and then and then the people that I performed it with there, we sort of try to take it um, out into the world a bit, and and you know it got it. We did pretty good for what we were doing, especially considering we had no idea what we were doing. Um, we got you know some mainstream coverage and stuff. Uh, we were in Wired and Maxim and a few TV things, and that sort of wet my appetite for like, okay, maybe I can. Maybe I can make a go of this. Um, and when the the idea of making it bigger kept sort of running into this roadblock being, of course, licensing from Nintendo, uh, which is basically impossible That's to get. That's a huge, huge roadblock. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much impossible. So, you know, the next step was to, you know, workshop it and get funding and stuff uh, all of which seemed pretty impossible. Um, so I put that on on a deep, deep freeze Han Solo type carbonite hiatus and um, uh, pursued a new thing, which was, you know, in some ways it was very much just like what I had had lying around sort of informed what my next step was, which I had these Mario overalls laying around. I had a video camera. Um, YouTube was just starting, so this is 2005, 2006. Um, there was a lot of really interesting video game, like really amateur video game uh, content, for lack of a better word. I hate that word, but it, it really was that in a sense. Um, there was this show called, I think it was called Game Life, and it was like this three guys, and they got picked up by MTV, and they're, they're just these three really silly one of them, you weren't sure he might have had some kind of mental um, impairment, and like they 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 got picked up by MTV, and it was just this really like oh my god, people are just making this really cool stuff on the internet, um, and so I started my own show called Game Jew, um, which involved me in the aforementioned red overalls, um, and the thing that that separate Mario from Game Jew, who both they both wear red overalls, but Game Jew didn't wear a shirt. See, that was the that was the main uh, difference. So, so it was me uh, in my with my chest hair and my my red overalls, basically, um, you know, making an online variety show, running around, interviewing people about video games. The funny thing is, is that GameJu. Uh, I speak about him in the third person. Like GameJu, his interests were actually really, actually, uh, not in the sort of more silly realm. It's like I wrote a lot of silly songs, but. He was also very interested in um, games and education and games and health and all of that stuff was just just starting to be really interesting at that point. And I tried, he tried to focus the show in that direction. Um, and so, yeah, I did that for about two and a half years. And the biggest thing that GameJu did was at GDC, 
um, in 2007, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, he sang to Shigeru Miyamoto, um, uh, sort of stalked him down, for lack of a better word, and uh, cornered him in this, this hallway. There's video of it. You can sort of see, see it. Uh, and, I, and sang him the song that, that I had written. Um, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto made Mario and Zelda and, yeah. and Star Fox and Donkey Kong and Pikmin and all these great games. So, um, and that was sort of the beginning of the end of, of Game Jew. That was sort of like, what, where can you go from there, basically? You've uh, peaked. You've peaked. You've sang to your hero at that point. Uh, and that's, uh, what are you going to do? So, what did you learn from the experience so of doing the Game Jew and being starting to put stuff onto the internet, getting some uh, a measure of fame out of it. What what things did you take away from that that helped you inform your later work? Yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, the the thing that jumps out at me first of all, like one of the biggest lessons I learned was actually in the transition out of Game Jew, um, where I had built up this big, relatively big audience um, for for him specifically, and which you know focused very much around video game centered uh, songs and, and, and ideas. Um, and I, I ended up feeling like I sort of painted myself into a bit of a corner because, um, while I still love video games, I still play video games, that sort of passion for doing it all the time that you need to have that passion in order to drive any kind of online activity. I guess I was like, maybe that would be one of the first, one of the first lessons, which is, you know, you need to have just the the most the utmost and deepest level of passion for something in order to make it something that you put out on to the internet on a regular basis. Because if if that's not there, and with GameJu, it started to sort of decline. And once that happened, I knew that I needed to find a new project, or I wanted to find a new project. Um, and and one of the biggest lessons in the transition was it's really hard once you've established an audience that expect a certain kind of thing, it's really hard to to take them then into a completely new and different direction. Or at least it was super hard for me. Um, and so there was a sort of idea that I still haven't quite learned, actually, I keep doing it over and over again, about, you know, uh, as much as I hate to use this word too, it's like certain words are, are useful in describing certain things. Your branding, you know, my my branding as a video game guy sort of uh, got me in trouble and I I, I, um, I lost a, a large chunk of that audience just in the sort of direction that I was going because I didn't want to have to do anything with video games at that point. Um, a consistent brand that allows you to be as flexible as you want to be is sort of like, is, is one of the things that I, is that I took away. So I guess that's being you, isn't it? Like the real yeah. rather than playing yeah, the character. Exactly, you know, and and it's like at the end of the day, you can be you, and maybe you can bring the characters out and everything. But, but the fundamental thing, it really helps if it is you. So, how long have you been conducting the Song a Day project? When did it start? It started on January first of two thousand and nine. Was January first a conscious decision? It was. It was. It came out of a project called Fun a Day, which is. Um, Every January, artists from all over the world are invited through this project called Fun A Day to make one piece of art for every day in the month of January. Um, and people do all kinds of things, uh, you know, sculptures and poems and cakes, and they make they make just everything. And um, and that's January first through thirty first. So that's that was why it started on January thirty first. Right. And. What was your like aside? Was your original motivation just doing this project? Was there something underlying to it that you wanted to do? Um, you know, no, there wasn't. There was no at the when I started it. It was very organic, and there, uh, you know, I wish looking back in the same way that that transition out of GameJu, um, I wish that I had been more deliberate in the. Uh, in the transition into Song a Day, but the truth is, is that it was super organic, and it just sort of was like, oh, okay, here's this project where I'm invited to make a song 
uh, and video every day in the month of January, I guess I'll do that. Um, I didn't really have much else going on. I was semi mostly unemployed. Um, I had actually a, a previous project that didn't really go anywhere at all where I was giving people creative assignments every single day. I was coming up with these ideas, and that was one thing that I had tried to do with my GameJu audience, which they had absolutely no interest in. Uh, and that was going nowhere. I was ready to sort of just call it, call it quits with that. Um, and, uh, you know, this opportunity came along to, to do a song a day, and I was like, okay, let me try that. That was basically the, the impetus. It's interesting, like, the way that you say song a day. So when you say those words, even when you mean to do a song a day, it sounds mm-hmm. like you're saying the thing. And then it's it a comes, noun, yeah. yeah it's not to like you, a, it's, yeah. it's song a day, which is a. Yeah. I, I, it's just something I picked up on then. It was quite, quite <laughs> yeah, interesting. it's interesting. No, it is interesting. Because you've said it thousands and thousands and thousands of times every single day for years. Right. Yeah, that's true. So why did you just in, decide to continue past the first month? Was it an, is it an accident that you've come this far, or did you decide I'm going to do it for X amount of time, or I'm just going to keep doing this forever? After the first month, it became after the first month, and I would say especially after the first year, but but mostly after the first month, it became pretty clear that this would be the the thing that I would do for the you know for the foreseeable future. Um, and actually, it's interesting, your question about what did I learn, because I, I don't know if I've gotten that question before, and, I keep, and now I'm thinking about other things. And I think, I think um, one of the things that, gain, that Song A Day um, did for me, and one of the reasons that I decided to keep going was because of a lesson that I learned in GameJu. At one point, GameJu was doing daily videos, um, and what I noticed was that I never really knew uh, how a video was going to do. Um, I would think that this video that I made was amazing and it would go nowhere. And I would think that this video that I made was the stupidest thing ever and it would get picked up and it would, you know, a lot of people would see it. Um, and so if you fast forward into Song A Day, songwriting has always been it's been the through line even when I was doing game Chew and, and Mario Opera and video games everything it's it's always been the thing so it made sense that song a, a song every single day could be the the sort of baseline and also it it fit this framework of like I just don't really know what's gonna succeed out in the world um, and that that may be just a failing of mine um, in terms of in terms of uh, well, I'm no Steve Jobs, right? I can't, I'm not like uh, the guy that can just like look at something and know whether it's good or not. Maybe, it, maybe I don't have that that bone, that skill. Um, but I can make lots of stuff and um, put it out, and 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 a certain percentage of it will succeed. And so, um, one of the reasons for keeping going was that there was there was some success in terms of virality and just getting known through song a day, I started to build a new audience just based on the songs. And that seemed like a good thing to keep going, basically. Um, having Talking about the virality of videos, having done this infinity 2,000 times, approaching 2,000 times, do you have any grasp at all <laughs> on how a video is going to perform or is it as i expect from doing what i've been doing for three nearly four years actually probably four it's four years next week i think um i have absolutely no idea <laughs> what's going to be successful and what isn't it's funny yeah basically pretty fundamentally no like like yeah like you just said there's really this i'm still as clueless as i ever was um and and i always tell i always say to people who ask, you know, it's like if anyone tells you that they have the secret or, or whatever, it's like they're lying, you know, like they, they don't really have the secret. And there's been studies and, and, and articles written. It's like no one really knows. It's a weird confluence of things. Um, like you can maybe point to things that made something successful, but it doesn't mean you can apply it to something else and it'll be the same. At all, you know, at all. Uh, so on the other hand, there are things that I've made there, you know, th- this is the thing is like, there are things that I make 
and I have a feeling that it has, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this has potential. It has all the right elements. It has a, it has the makings of something that would uh, potentially be passed around from per- person to person. Um, but I would say, you know, probably four out of every, only maybe four out of every ten of those actually do that. Um, so there's, there's, you know, there's 60%, maybe 60 or 70% of that. When I have that feeling, I'm like, oh, this idea or this concept has a chance. Um, only about 30% or 40% of the time does it, does it to some degree, to one degree or another get, you know, actually happen. How do you manage to stay motivated every day to do this project? Um, it is hard, hard sometimes, and the difficulty varies. You know, um, one of the one of the hardest parts about scale project like this is it's easy to sort of lose sight of of the big project. Um, a day undertaking. I mean, two thousand songs is a lot of songs, and but every day it feels small. On a on a day to day level, it doesn't really feel like I'm doing that much to be honest um i'm just writing another song you know uh and that can be that in itself so demoralizing um you want to be feel like you're working on something substantial and not ephemeral there's this uh i forget what the two terms were stock and but it's like this idea that when you're when you're producing things for online you have two categories that they fall in it's like you're your evergreen stuff, the stuff that's like the big, meaty, juicy things that will last forever, and then lots of ephemera, um, things, you know, that are just like little one-offs. And Song of Day is almost kind of both at once because the project in its in its entirety, I feel like, is like my life's work in a way, but on a day-to-day basis, the majority of them, you know, just kind of go out into the world and are enjoyed by the people who enjoy them. Um... And then, you know, maybe found by people over time, and this happens also, people just run across them because they exist on the internet, but for the most part feel as though they've just kind of like went out into the ether and didn't make, didn't sort of make any really substantial lasting impact. Um, so that's been, that's, that's really the hardest part. That's like where the, where the motivation can get a little difficult. And I, and when that happens, I, I try to take the sort of like larger view and, and just the larger view is, well, um, the project is, is big in and of itself and you just have to sort of keep going. And it's, and at a certain point it's just like work, you know, it doesn't become anything except practicing my craft. Um, and it's just like anyone going into to work every day. It's just like anyone who's just making something every day whether it's an artist or someone writing software, you just sit down and you just do it. Some days it's harder than others. Very much so. And I, you know, I've, I've often, this is like one of those things that if I, I have all these ideas, you know, if I had gone in, I would have tried to really track things. Cause wouldn't it be interesting? I'd be interesting to see if there's like a seasonal shift with my motivation or if there's like, if there's, um, you know, a, a weekly cycle that goes through, or what? What are the factors that contribute to those good days and bad days? I have no idea, but it would be interesting to try to find out. Still time. Indeed, there's always time. I mean, you have thousands of more days for you to record <laughs> songs on, right? God willing. So I want to take a, a quick break to thank our first sponsor for today's episode of Command Space, and that is the fine folks over at Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, you want to go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO3. Squarespace are always making sure that their platform is up-to-date and adding new features, new designs all the time and making sure that their support team is always ready to help you and they're always making it stronger where they can to make sure that if you need any help, Squarespace are there for you. The templates that you get started with with Squarespace look fantastic. They have loads of style options that you can adjust so you can really tweak your own space on the internet. You can easily drag and drop content around the page. You can even drag in content from your desktop too. Maybe you want to put some images on your page. You can just drag and drop them in. And when I say drag and drop, 
you basically, you look at your Squarespace site, you can see it live in the web browser. You're able to move around um, spaces and the, the dividers of your site. You're able to move around borders. You can change fonts, change sizes, change colors really easily. And as you add different types of content into your site, so maybe you want to add some text, you want to add a text block, maybe you want to add um, an Instagram gallery, you can drop all of these in and you literally drag and drop them around the page. You see how they are in real time and you're able to commit to the changes and publish them to your site. It's absolutely fantastic their site looks amazing all of their sites sorry look amazing on any device because every single squarespace website has its own unique mobile design built right in so no matter what device people are looking at your website from they're going to see a fantastic look and feel the whole way through you can easily connect to a bunch of your favorite web and social services like twitter facebook instagram pinterest and many many more squarespace also has their own e-commerce platform so if you want to set up a shop and sell things physical or digital goods you can do this in just a few minutes on any squarespace plan Squarespace have over 70 dedicated employees on their customer care team based in New York City. Squarespace's product is really easy to use, but if you need any help, they're available for live chat during the week. They have super fast email support throughout the day and night, and they're very active on Twitter too. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required. You just go to squarespace.com and sign up for a free trial. And if you decide to purchase a Squarespace plan, once you've had a play around of everything there on the trial, their plans start at just $8 a month. They include the domain name if you sign up for a year, and you can get 10% off and support this show by using the offer code TALLYHO3. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number 3. Thanks. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for supporting Command Space and all of 5 by So you have a structure um, to the way that you release your songs, right? So you do a different thing each day, so Monday to Friday. Um, how does this work for you? Um, and it's actually Monday to Monday. It's I don't take weekends off, which is... I which didn't is, know that. Yeah, which is a, an interesting uh, fun fact. Huh. Many daily, many daily uh, makers do take weekends off. Um, I've never and, really just figured it. I was like, oh yeah, it's a song every yeah, day, and it's not. Yeah. I'm not really realizing that Saturday and Sunday because. And I like to. I like to give you know. I like to give the other daily makers you know crap for for slacking on the job, yeah, um, giving the run for their money. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's very. I'm I'm very loosey goosey about it. Um, my my feeling is that if you're gonna do anything every day. Um, Unless you're the kind of person that needs and craves structure, uh, which I'm not, um, you know, the daily the dailiness of it is my only structure, and everything else is up for grabs. Um, when I do it, where I do it, how I do it, what time I upload, what time I get up, what time I start, whether the music or the lyrics come first, what I'm going to write about, um, everything else is is very loose and that is on purpose for me which is to sort of give myself room to uh to keep doing it basically um i've talked to a lot of um young musicians who contact me um inspired you know by song a day to start their own sort of daily music projects and so often they assume that i have some sort of really rigorous schedule and so they set up some kind of really rigorous schedule for themselves and and are failing to to keep their projects going um within you know within the first few days because they this structure that they've their their project just crumbles under the weight of the structure so for me it's very loose and i think one of the keys to doing this every day is just being easy on yourself as easy as you can be um that Make it every single day, but don't beat yourself up in the process of doing it. It's really about just sort of letting go and seeing what comes, when it comes, and how it comes. So how do you think of new ideas for pieces? Are you, Do you ever work on a song over multiple days, or does 100% of the creation happen in one day? There are times when I work on things over multiple days, um, um, Really specific examples are like if I'm working on a song that is clear to me I'm really into and I really like where it's going, um, because I make a video every day as well, I will, I will work on the song 
all day and make it as good as I can. Um, and then I'll write a second song that will be that day's song. And then the song that I wrote that first day, I'll do t- the next day so that I have time to make a really cool video. Um, that's one example of, of sort of cheating the, the, the everydayness of it. Um, but the ideas come from generally three sources. Um, I break it down into generally three categories. One of them is, is, uh, is topical, which is to say everything specific that isn't me. So that's Apple, that's video games, science, animals, um, food, you know, really anything that you can think of that's like specifically about something is topical. Then there's personal songs, which is, you know, which is just anything that's going on in my life, whether it's, uh, you know, needing a new roommate or, or breaking up with somebody or, or whatever is happening with me. That's, that's what I'll write about. Or the third category is, is more uh, general, and it's just this kind of like, I call it abstract. It's, it's sort of more poetic, and it's more sort of word-based, and it's not really about anything. It's not really about me. You know, you could argue that maybe it's about me because it has some sort of like there's a there's a subconscious thing happening where I'm just sort of like translating feelings and stuff into uh, into the written word and the sung word. But really, it's just me having fun with language and and making up a song just about sort of nothing. Um, those those are the three places. So some days I wake up and and something's happened or I see a tweet. Or uh, actually, Twitter is really great for mining ideas. I see people that I look up to or that I, I admire tweet something, and I'm like, oh, that would make a cool song. And so I'll, I'll make a song out of it. Um, or some current event or things along those lines. Um, but some days I wake up and I don't have any ideas, and I, I have nothing. Um, and the whole day goes by and I have nothing. And that's generally where I fall back on the more, sort of more poetic, abstract kind of stuff. When you're struggling for inspiration, is there anything in your life that helps you focus on this thinking? Do you have any places or things that help you specifically to try and come up with ideas? Do you have any tools or tricks that you use? No. And, and um, the, the only tool, um, in, in terms of like, it's, none of the tools are, are outward. Um, it's not places, it's not things, it's not... Um, it's it's really just a state of mind. It's all inward. Like the the only tools that I use when I have no ideas, when I'm completely dry of inspiration, are internal. And basically, the tool is at a very fundamental level. It's just letting go of needing, feeling like I need to make whatever I'm about to write be good. Um. Uh. And that's that's really like that's the heart of it. So. There are many days where that happens, where I sit, where it's like the end of the day, I'm exhausted, I've had a day of whatever, of, of running errands, and maybe I have a dentist appointment or something, and I've got to, you know, pick up dinner, you know, for me and the wife, and whatever else is going on, and for whatever reason, I haven't written my song yet, and I'm exhausted, and I have no ideas, I just, I have no idea what to write about. Um, it's really like that old kind of just English class thing of like well just start writing just just put the pen down to the paper or whatever put your hands on the keyboard uh pick up the instrument pick up the paintbrush whatever it is just like just literally do it without any kind of expectation other than that you're gonna make it um and that's the only tool and i think that's the only tool anyone needs to 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 make things all the time is just like it's more mental. It's more mental than anything else. People get very caught up in the sort of physical, I can't write without a certain pen or I, or even worse, like I need a certain kind of gear to like make it or a certain kind of space. But it's really, I think, just mostly internal. Why did you choose YouTube as the place to put your videos? Well, you know, back in the day, back when I was doing um, GameJoo and... Even in the early years of Song A Day, there was there was a bevy of options, um, not just Vimeo, of course, which is still around. 
Um, there was a site called Veo, V-E-O-H, um, that was around. There was Rever. There was, gosh, Daily Motion, which I guess is probably still around. Blip, I think was one. Blip, yeah, Blip was one of them. And the 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 social media um, common wisdom at the time was you need to be on every single platform. That was the you know the guy up on the stage giving giving the talk about uh-huh. how to how to do video was like you got to be on all these platforms. You got to just you got to upload your stuff to every single one because you don't know who's going to see it and where they're going to see it and blah blah blah. Um, which looking back was kind of was I mean I guess now that we know that YouTube won or whatever. Uh, but it was clear pretty early on that like the biggest audiences were all on YouTube and that YouTube was was kind of cleaning cleaning house. Um, and really, it, it wasn't so. So there was a time there was actually a a a site called TubeFilter, which you could upload it to TubeFilter and they would send it out to all the other sites. Um, so for a long time, I was doing that, and then it just was really more. It's just a matter of. That's where the audience is. That's where your fans are, and um, it. That's just. That's where. That's where the people are. So that's where I had to go, basically. Have your feelings about YouTube changed over time? Like, what is your opinion now on the service? Ooh, now we're getting into the nitty gritty. Uh huh. Um, well, that's a very that's a very interesting question. Um, you know, Google. And YouTube as a company, um, as I'm sure your listeners know, it's it's a very tricky thing, right? Because um, they don't make their money on um, they make their money on advertising. So they have a vested interest in things that will get the most views, because then they can sell the most ads, um, and sometimes the things that get the most views aren't necessarily the coolest or, you know, the best things. Um, you know, we, we're still very much in the age of the internet where, you know, we'll are, we're all going to click. And I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I'm not necessarily that, that I'm above that, you know, clicking on, you know, a screenshot that has boobs in it or something. But, um, but that's, you know, that's where their interests lie. And, you know, I guess one one thing like really really uh, um, illustrates my feelings about about YouTube. I, I'll say, you know, all the people that I've met there, I love and are super sweet and and have great hearts and are definitely you know in it for the right reasons. But I should, you know, you know, it's like sometimes you if you go to their space as a person that makes YouTube videos. If you're a musician, or if you're, and this is maybe this is maybe like a, a snotty thing that I'm about to say, or like a snobbish kind of uh, um, thing. But if you're a musician, or you're a filmmaker, or you're an animator, or you're a painter who who posts, you know, videos of yourself paint doing speed painting or something, whatever kind of artist that you are, if you go visit YouTube, your badge will read content creator. Um, and maybe I'm making too big a deal out of that. Hmm. Um, but my feeling about it is that it, that it really, the words matter and they sort of devalue what all the people make. Um, and it's it, that the, the, the way that they call us that suggests to me how they think of us and and that and that sort of makes me uneasy and makes me uncomfortable and kind of sad um because you know as a musician i'm not a content creator and as a painter that that person is not a content creator they're a painter um that's what they've thrown their life into uh and and I guess I guess it goes back to this this uneasy idea, this uneasy feeling I have uh, on a day to day basis with Song a Day, that sometimes, and I've actually written a blog post about this. Like sometimes it does feel as though, on a day to day basis, because what I'm making is so small and it feels so ephemeral, that it does feel like content, or that maybe maybe I'm 
maybe the reason that bugs me so much is because I'm just so sensitive about that and, and it hits a little too close to home. Um, but on the other hand, uh, to the people, the, to the people that watch me every day and the people that, that like what I do and listen to it and mean something to them, um, it's not content. It's songs and it's words, um, and music. And, uh, so there's a weird, there's, there's something there, you know, and I think that that's, that's sort of like a snapshot of the internet maybe at large right now is this weird um, tension between people who make things and people who, who host them and monetize them. Uh, it's, it's there, and, and that's, that basically is, is, I guess, where my feelings are. How do you feel about adverts on YouTube, advertisements? How, I mean... I assume you choose to run them, right, on your ads, and I assume you I get do. revenue <laughs> from it. Like, how do, do you feel about all of that? Yeah, you know, uh, the way that I feel about that is that I've got to make a living. Um, it's not a lot of money, but it's not no money either. So, um, uh, and I know we're going to talk about Patreon in a bit, and of course that 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 puts a whole new spin on the thing. But... Um, I I've I've put been putting ads on my uh videos for quite a while and I actually even wrote a song about it called YouTube pre-roll ads um that they that YouTube actually featured uh back when they were still sort of they had a front page and they would feature things uh which I thought was really funny I was I I was sort of just explaining like basically what I just said you know I've got to make a living and and uh this is one way this is like one source of income uh and it's a very kind of easy passive income i'm just doing what i'm doing and and uh in an ideal world i definitely would prefer not to um and i hope that in the future i won't have to but for now uh you know it's what i do so i want to take a quick break and then we'll talk about patreon because it's, cool. it's a totally different thing. It's a new thing and, and quite an exciting thing too. So this episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks. It's tax time. If you're not using FreshBooks, your life is probably a mess right now. Tell me if this sounds right for you. You're currently hunting for receipts, digging through old invoices, going through every record one by one. Well, that's the worst. FreshBooks is the simple cloud accounting solution that makes tax time a breeze. With FreshBooks, you can create professional-looking invoices, capture and track expenses, and get real-time business reports with just a couple of clicks. Plus, you can work from anywhere with FreshBooks' mobile apps for your phone or tablet. When I was starting out, I wish I knew about FreshBooks. It would have enabled me to make sure that I was getting paid on time fast. And when I'm advising people, you know, it's a, it's a hassle. You're sending them like a Word document or a Pages document and they're trying to deal with it. And they've got to look at the bank details and they've got to go to this website and they've got to put all this in. Well, with FreshBooks, when somebody opens an invoice for you, they're able to pay you straight away. And if they're, especially if they're another FreshBooks user, you get the ability to track where the FreshBooks invoice lies in all of it. And you can see when they've opened it and you can, you know, you can say to them, I see you've seen the invoice. Is there any problem? Yeah, give them a little nudge. These are some of the cool things about FreshBooks. And the sooner you start using it, the sooner you can start focusing on the work you love. With FreshBooks, you focus on your work, not your paperwork. The best way to try out some of the features that I've mentioned today is to go and try out FreshBooks. FreshBooks is giving our listeners an extended 60-day free trial to make tax time a breeze. Go to FreshBooks, sorry, go to getfreshbooks.com and enter command space in the how did you hear about us section when signing up. So that's getfreshbooks.com for a 60-day extended trial. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for supporting 5x5 and command space. So what made you turn to Patreon? Tell me a little bit about what it is and why you decided that this is something that was going to interest you. Yeah, Patreon is like an is is basically a, a website that's like an ongoing Kickstarter in some ways. So instead of a one-off project and you d and people donate various levels of money and get things in return, uh, it's an ongoing project that people can become patrons of. So, so you know, there are people who are patrons of Song a Day, and they each throw in whatever a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, and um, in return, 
they they get things and um it's it, it immediately appealed to me i've i've over the years i've had various attempts at building something like this myself just just for myself through like paypal subscriptions and things like that um but like kickstarter or like many websites what what patreon did was just sort of streamline the system made it easy to set up uh and made it easier for people to access um and the real sort of trick in patreon is that rather than you know the, all the times that i had set something up it had been a monthly thing it had been like every month you'll give me a certain amount of money and and i will just keep doing what i'm doing patreon makes it per thing you create so you have an ongoing project it's perfect for youtubers it was created by jack conti who's a very famous youtuber and it's perfect for YouTubers because we're constantly making things and every time uh, you put out a new video or a new comic strip or a new podcast, that's when Patreon kicks in and that's when the people that have pledged to you, that have that are your patrons, give you money um, versus the sort of just rolling uh, monthly subscription model. Um, so I have it set up that, you know, every week, every, basically every seven songs that I make, um, uh, people give me money for that and it's great. It's a, it's a steady source of income coming straight from the people that really, uh, want to support you, want to, and can support you the most. Um, and it's it's just it's just completely ideal in a lot of ways, uh, and the site is really great. I think they really they really nailed it with the site. So um, I'm really excited by it as a sort of model moving forward. I think it's I think it's a really great thing. How did you think the reaction would be when you set it up? Like how many you know did you have an idea of how many people you wanted to see set up? Do you have goals? Are you meeting them? Have you still got work to do? How do you feel about the process of actually? Putting this out into the world, yeah, it's difficult, right? I mean, I've I, I've me, I've met um, one goal, and there's many more to go. Um, you know, it's it's. It, I'm sure you've experienced this um, with having an audience. It's a strange sort of relationship that you can have, right? Because there's there's your total audience. Um, and then there's there's fraction there's different fractions and subsets of your total audience. So your total audience might be thousand people or twenty thousand people, but then there's maybe a thousand of them that you ever hear from ever that ever will interact with you in any way that you'll ever even know exists that as a, as a as a person um, rather than just some number. Uh, and then a fraction of those that will have some kind of ongoing conversation or relationship with you um and then a fraction of those uh feel like and and uh can afford and whatever to to pay you so you know um that's 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 like always been a really interesting thing to me about making things on the internet is that you're i i i, I always feel very disconnected from my audience and i'm always trying to think of different ways you know i i feel like i interact with people that I interact with on a very regular basis, but there's this whole other subset of people that just don't interact. And I just think that there's, there's a lot of people who um, watching and listening to things on the internet, for them, it's just about watching and listening. They, they don't want to do all the other stuff, um, which, is, which is, of course, fine, uh, but it's also very, it's just very strange mm -hmm. to never, never interact with all those people. Like, who are they? Where, what are they doing? Yeah, um, where are these people? Like, why don't I ever know about these people? I do feel that. Like, I see, the num I know the number of people that listen to my shows, and I know the number of people that follow me on Twitter, and I know the number of people that email me and stuff like that. So that I know that there's a big chunk of people that I never hear from, and I wonder why. I don't know why. It yeah. is, it's just an interesting feeling when you start to create something like this. Like, where are these people? Like, I don't, I don't know them. They, you know, they listen to me every week. I, it's, it is, I can agree. It's a very strange feeling. It's a very strange feeling. So, so you know, that's that's just to say that that um, the same is true when you're setting up your Patreon. You know, it's like there's a there's a fraction of the people that that 
um, feel like it's something worthwhile, but also um, I also have this this seeking suspicion that it's like you know it's also about just who can afford it. You know who feels like who feels like they have the money to kick in, um, which I totally understand. So um, I you know my 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 ultimate goal you know right now and to a certain extent has always been to be able to make a living solely off of my audience um, and solely off of people that. That that really love and get and support what I do, um, and and Patreon. Well, you know, while I had still have have a ways to go, like Patreon has definitely uh, sort of jump started that in a way that that is really interesting to me. What is your Patreon? Where can people find it? Uh, it's patreon.com slash Jonathan Mann, which is two ends. So I have two last quick things that I want to talk to you about. The just mm-hmm. very quick ones. I just want to mention them. Sure. The Steve Jobs I um playing your video on the iPhone keynote. So for people who might not remember this, the it was the iPhone four, right? When the iPhone four with Antenna Gate iPhone they four, a, yeah. They had a press conference. And they opened the press conference with a song that you wrote about holding the iPhone roll. Um I just wanna know what that felt like to to have found that out. I mean, I don't believe that, that was a streamed video. When did you find out that they played your song? Uh, I, I, it was before the conference, it was in the morning of the conference and they called me wow. and asked me if they could use it. Um, and you said no, right? You're like, no. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it was, it, you know, yeah. I mean, so, so game Jew got to sing to Shigeru Miyamoto, which is one of my heroes. And then suddenly I'm faced with a prospect that Steve Jobs has like watched my video and, um, wants to use it to open his press conference about the iPhone 4 antenna thing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, um, it was more surreal than anything else. I mean, I, I was so excited by it. Mm. Um, but it was almost one of those calm kind of excited where I'm just like in, it's like an outer body surreal kind of thing. It's like, this is, there's no way that this is actually happening. This is too strange. Um, and it was great. I actually, it's funny, I just got a tweet from a friend, uh, actually, uh, fellow 5 by 5 podcaster, um, Jen Simmons, who right. um, sent me a tweet with this uh, video that just came out, an interview with Allison Johnson, who I had never actually heard of, but I guess she was head of marketing at Apple during that time um, and working with Steve Jobs. It, it's a 99U uh, Q&A with her. And um, one of the questions, I forget exactly what the question was, but she talks about Steve Jobs during the antenna gate thing as being uh, so, she'd never seen him s- sort of so emotionally distraught. The, the, the attacks on Apple, he was really taking quite to heart. And she said that he sat in a meeting and was banging the table and sobbing and saying, like, this is not our company. This is not how we do things. Um, and she sent that to me, you know, and said, just, like, just, she said, you know, to give you a different perspective, like, like it, there's no way of really knowing, but, you know, he, he opened that press conference with my song, um, the idea that maybe this song gave him even the slightest bit of sol- solace or relief yeah. from that sort of, from that pain he was feeling uh, is just... Magnificent, what a feeling! Like, what a, yeah, that's such an incredible, incredible sort of feeling. Extraordinary, you know, you know, just uh, quite, quite amazing. So um, that's it's. And the other thing about the other like little funny thing about that is uh, afterwards, uh, I got to talk to the Apple PR people who I was sort of interfacing with, and they told me that they saw Steve. You could see Steve um, on just on the wings of the stage, off stage dancing to the to the song as it was playing um and if you watch the video of the event as the song ends and as steve jobs comes out on the stage there's like maybe uh, you know 15 frames there where you can see jo- steve jobs doing a little shimmy there's like a little tiny bit of a dance um and i think that those 15 frames are maybe the only uh evidence that we have of steve jobs dancing outside of maybe his family has some uh home movies but you freeze framed each one of them, printed them, and they're on the wall. Exactly. <laughs> Did you have a busy day that day? 
that was uh, that was one of those days. Yeah, it happens, right? With with things going viral, um, that was maybe like the third or fourth time that it happened. So I was like, okay, here we go. Here comes the wave. And then it's it was that was like a really big one. That was like a steady two weeks of just like insane, insane like coverage and people talking to you and stuff. It's very strange, actually. It's like Andy Warhol's Fifteen Minutes or whatever, but like. You know, and then and then the two weeks go by, and then it gets really quiet again. It's very that's another like strange thing about uh, of the living in the age of the internet. It's like going to be a weird up. thing to come down from. It is. It is a bit like coming down. Someone I saw someone made a uh, a viral video anonymous vi- video where people who had made one off one hit wonder viral videos and were sort of like in a AA type support group for each other and it, it does feel like that to a certain extent the last thing uh yeah. accidental tech podcast yes why did you want to create a song for a podcast yeah well so um uh i mean it's mostly i mean just like <laughs> probably just like whatever 90 percent of people that listen to the show it's mostly john you know like we all just love John Syracuse is so much. Uh, he's he's this. He I, I and, I and it's hard to explain to anybody who just doesn't get it. But like he's he's just so lovable. You know, he's just so he's a great guy and he's so good at what he does and he breaks things down in the best way. And uh, I always talk about you know. And I was such a fan of his show and it was so sad when it went away. Um, and I actually wrote him a song. I wrote a song about him when his show ended. Which they should. I think they played on the final show. They did, yeah. And and uh, <laughs> like months later, uh, I got a, a funny email from him that said, just said like, "Can I get that MP3 of the song that you wrote for me? My my wife wants to put it on her phone." Oh, um, that's so which I thought, sweet. Which I thought was like that made me really happy. It was super sweet. Um, but then you know when they started doing the Accidental Tech Podcast, I I thought it was great, and I I love listening to them. All together, I think it's a great format and whatever. And uh, you know, it was just a sort of thing. I think actually, oh, now that I'm thinking about it, I think early on there was an episode where they talked about how they were getting sick of having to say their Twitter names at the end every time, and how wouldn't it be cool if we had some sort of outro that we could just put here? And uh, my ears just sort of mm-hmm. perked up at that. It's like, oh, well, I can do that. I can make that. So it started out, I think, as maybe like a way just to get those Twitter bo- Twitter names in there. And I was like, well, I'll just make it like the outro song. It'll just be a song that'll describe what the show is. And and uh, I remember that, you know, I sent it to them, and I think they were asking, like, Merlin Man to make a song. Um, I don't know for sure if that's what it was, but I remember emailing Marco, and he was like, yeah, we, we may use your song, but we have another thing in the works. And I think I think for some reason that it was... I don't know where I got that from, but I think it was maybe Merlin. And, yeah, I think, I think you're right. And and uh, but but I think my song. I think maybe Merlin just didn't have time or something. And then they lived with my song for a bit. It sort of it you know it it became the song. And and I'm thrilled that something a show that I love so much like that is using my song on on you know just every single week. I love it. I love the song. I know all the words. Because <laughs> <laughs> still I hear it every week, but I enjoy it every week. Oh, I'm glad. That's good to hear. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's always gratifying uh, to hear from people that they that they enjoy hearing that song every week. And I have one last question. Yes. Where do you fall on the bleeps and bloops discussion? Yeah, indeed. The first one or the second one is that yeah. the so there's the there's the bleeps and bloops version, which John Syracuse yeah. says that he prefers. Do, yeah. Are you a bleeps and bloops man? Or are you the original? Um, I think I am the original. I like the original better. I made a second bleeps and bloops version that was the original song just with bleeps and bloops. Um, and John still said that he preferred the original bleeps and bloops, the first bleeps and bloops versus the second one. So um, <laughs> I may, you know, I may give it yet another try. Um, it's sort of, it sort of is, is it's a little, it's a little, uh, you know, it's a little thorn in my side that that I can't give the the man exactly what he wants. So, uh, which of course is impossible to do. But yep. Uh, but uh, but maybe I'll keep trying. 
Jonathan Mann, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Um, really, really has. I didn't even get to all of my questions, but you answered everything incredibly. And I, I feel like I've learned a lot about what you do and, and the just the kind of challenges of creating stuff every day. I found it's really, really interesting. So thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. And Thanks where, so much. Where can people keep like keep in touch with you, find out what you're doing, watch your videos, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, a really good place to do it is on Twitter. It's just uh, Song A Day Man um, uh, with two N's. And if you want to um, see my my YouTube channel, it's it's The Rock Cookie Bottom. Um, it's one of those unfortunate, I made this. Uh, now there's nothing I can do about it. And, and now there's nothing <laughs> I can do about it thing. So, there you uh, go. <laughs> it's also easy just to find me on the internet, jonathanman.net. If you just search Google for Song A Day, it's me. So You'll find it. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I've been collecting a bunch of links and to Jonathan's stuff and a bunch of the videos and stuff that we've spoken about. You can find that over at 5x5.tv slash C-M-D-S-P-A-C-E slash 88. Until next time, thank you again for listening. Bye-bye.